I appreciate it, man. Has your mind ever played tricks on you? Wave at me if your mind has ever played tricks on you. I've had my mind play tricks on me a whole lot, but um, there is one time in particular where my mind played a major trick on me. And I was at work and Leah called and, uh, Leah called and said, um, babe, there's somebody in the house right now. And I was like, well, find a weapon. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm far away. Call my dad. My dad was across the street. He ran over. They couldn't find anything. But she was like, I swear, somebody is in the house. And so we were like, oh, well, that's a big deal. That kind of freaked me out. And so that night we were laying in bed. And uh, I, I, she woke me up. And she was like, hey, I hear it again. And it, it sounded like footsteps of somebody in the house. I started like, you know, have you ever like had that feeling where your adrenaline starts pumping? It's like, it's pumping, and the more you listen, the more real it seems. You're like, and you picture somebody. You, your imagination goes wild. You're like, I know this person is wearing a mask and creeping around. And then all of a sudden, your adrenaline pumps in. I, 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 I got a weapon, and I all of a sudden became like 007, like hiding behind walls and like, you know, like I really knew what I was doing. I was like looking around like the shower curtain, like throwing it back, you know what I mean? Like somebody's in this house. And I kept searching, and I kept visualizing. It really got me in this mode, like I got to find whatever's going wrong here. Come to find out after a lot of searching, it was a squirrel. <laughs> now, some of you like squirrels, but just to break your bubble, squirrels are just rats with fur. There's nothing cute about a squirrel. They eat stuff just like rats. I don't like squirrels anymore because they mess with my mind. They like to eat wires. It was a squirrel that was running all through the house, and we had to get the squirrel out the house. But I thought it's a great example that you can have little things in your mind. The squirrel was the devil. In other words, the squirrel was my devil that day. Did you know the enemy loves to put things in your head so that you can react, and sometimes it's not even real? You can literally, you know, I've heard the acronym for fear is, uh, it is, it's, what is it? It's false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. That's what fear is sometimes. And sometimes fear can be a real, like real things are happening. But how many of you know that even when we have a bad report, God wants us to have our mind on what his word says and not what logic says? And if you, don't, if you don't watch it, your brain can just operate in this way where autopilot is to all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like PTSD, it's happening again, and you're expecting bad things, you're speaking wrong things, it creates a negative atmosphere that actually attracts negative things. How many of you know that faith acts the opposite? You think of God, you begin to believe his word, you start to expect his word. Like David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Before, there was a time period where Leah would get a, a letter in the mail, and I hate getting those unexpected bills, like a ticket that I got. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got me again on Canal Street, speeding in a school zone. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, she's telling her neighbor how many I got. Don't listen to her. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rat you out in a minute. But um, <laughs> I came to a point, like every time she would open a bill, I would like panic, like, oh, God, what next? 
And I had to retrain my mind. I started saying, you know what? That's going to be a blessing in the mail. I started expecting, started speaking. And did you know that God started attracting blessing in our mail? I'm not making this up. When you begin to have faith and you be begin to declare faith and you begin to declare a good report, it actually changes the atmosphere and it attracts the blessing to your life. Have you ever been in a good mood and then you were around Debbie Downer? It is like they took all the oxygen out of the room. You could like be like, you know what? God is doing great things and they're like, yeah, but you know about what's happening in the third world country that like, and it's true, but it's like, did you have to say it just then, right? Did you have to burst my bubble? You know, like finding a negative thing about everything can suck the oxygen out the room. You're excited and now all of a sudden you're depressed. The Bible says that a good word actually brings hope and faith and a negative word brings depression. There are some people I hang out with and I leave and I feel depressed. <laughs> I would, and listen, we got to be real about our issues, but how many of you know that when we believe that God works all things together for our good, we can have faith when we speak about those things that might be true and not favorable. And so we actually attract, we attract either, either the blessing or we attract negative things by the things that we think the things that we feel, it is like somebody, it is like somebody that really thinks in their mind that they're ugly and they're not. It is like somebody that thinks in their mind they're ugly and that people don't like them and they say it so much that now they believe it, it cut, oh, it's now a root in them. So now that they believe it, just like I had a reaction with that rat and the enemy speaking at them, they can't even act right in a crowd. They can't even talk to somebody because they're thinking, they don't like me, they don't think I'm good looking, they think this, I, I sound dumb. And you actually reject people from what would love to get to know you but because you are thinking wrong and feeling wrong, you're actually attracting wrong things. And if you don't watch it, you'll attract only people that are like you. Insecure, down and out, not getting along. How many of you want to attract people that are not just like you, but that the, to be a part of the body of Christ, you're around people that can help you, that are sharper than you, that have different gifts and talents, and you have the confidence of who you are in God. You're the righteousness of Christ. You're an original. You're an OG. Look at your name and say, you're an OG. There's no one like you. God has got a specific destiny and purpose for you, and you can walk up to anybody on the face of the earth and look at them in confidence because you just spent time with the King of kings and Lord of lords that run it all. Who should I fear? If fear is, comes to your life of man, the Bible says it's a trap. And just like we can attract the wrong relationships because of how we see ourselves. A woman's been abused five, ten times, keeps being beaten, but because she sees herself as the hurting, she sees herself as the beaten, she has identified with that, you would think she would get out of the situation, but she attracts the situation to her because that's how she sees herself on the inside. So it's important that when we get with God, we have to know that God begins to do things in our life and shapes things in our life, walking with God causes us to be whole in who we are. 
We're so busy chasing other things to make us feel secure. A boyfriend, a job, this, that. Those aren't bad things, but any insecurity outside of the security of Jesus will eventually become an insecurity. Because that thing will only falter and only have cracks in it over time. But God is the one, the rhythmic God that never changes. He's consistent throughout all the ages. And when you find your foundation in him and you find your security in him, then you will be able to be whole. And he says the only way that you're going to be whole is if you begin to walk with me. How many of you want to begin to walk with God? Now let's look at this. Just like that rat got me worried, Paul actually speaks to the Philippians about worry. And he teaches us how to deal with worry, to deal with thoughts. The truth is, many of us are born a pessimist. Many of us are born, even if you're a leader and you don't control that leadership, you will only see problems and not see solutions. You will just become a complainer. Nobody wants to be around a complainer. But if you have solutions, then you become a conqueror. And you have solutions because you have faith because you've been walking with the creator of the universe. Amen? Amen. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Are y'all okay today? It says this, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. We can, just, we can just go home right now. Instead of worry, pray. That sounds very simple. But the problem is we think that we can handle our issues, but we were born to have a Savior to help us. He's trying to teach us. And so we worry and we try to fix it. When God is saying, I'm the fixer of all things, come to me and pray, and I will handle the situation. So don't fret or worry Pray. Let the petitions, these are your requests, and praises. Say petition and praises. Your petitions and your praises literally shape your worry into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, say before you know it. See, when I have people call me and they're giving me all, they're like panicking and they're wanting a word from a pastor, I said, hey, did you pray about it? No. Go pray about it, then call me. Because I'm not God. God can take away that worry. And, and God will put people in your life to give you wisdom. But God says, don't worry, come to me. But we worry and we call somebody and start to gossip and complain. Or we start to, and we're all guilty. Some of you are looking at me like I'm guilty. Join the club. We're all guilty of that. Letting God know your concerns before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. How many of you want some wholeness? A sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. How many of you need to settle down? Look at your neighbor and say, you need to settle down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd said you do your best by filling your minds, listen, filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not worse, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Another translation says, think on a good report. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God will make everything work together. Will, it will work you into the most excellent harmonies. That sounds like rhythm unforced. It says, listen, prayer is the antidote for your worry. And it's a part 
that gets us in harmony with God. How many of you know that God's not worried? He's the author and finisher of your faith. He has already read your book. He has already seen the end from the beginning, and he's not worried. How many of you want to get in harmony with God to see what he's actually up to? When we would fret and worry, we go to him, and he brings peace. I believe we would operate a little differently. How many bad decisions have we made because we let worry and we let stress take control of our emotions and actually act it out on that? And before you know it, it can hurt your family. It can hurt your friends. It can hurt your, your boss. You get fired. Why do I keep getting fired? Because you expect to get fired. You get what you expect. So you react to what you think people are going to do instead of believing God and knowing favors with you and you actually carry favor with you and before you know it, you get a promotion at that job because you think that I am a person of promotion. Praise and petition shape your prayer. I want to give you three things today that your prayer and praise shapes. Three things. The first thing that prayer shapes is your attitude, is your attitude. Your attitude will determine your faithfulness. You need to write that down, that's good. Your attitude will determine your faithfulness. You say, how? I have people that have called me before and said, you know what, you know what? They, they begin to think the negative thing about their spouse instead of the positive thing, and they begin to have an attitude about their spouse, and before you know it, they don't have faith for their spouse, and now they are looking for other things because they let a bad report outrule a good report. And before you know it, faithfulness is not just showing up. Faithfulness is being full of faith. So it's not that I'm just showing up to my date nights. I'm showing up to my date nights seeing my wife or your spouse like God does because your attitude will make you faithful. You can tell before somebody gets let go of a job or not always. Sometimes there are major, major situations. But some, if somebody like, I've seen people quit on the job and like they didn't even have a backup plan. They're like, I'm done. They may, and they actually regretted it. And what happened was they let these small attitudes build up till now they can't even have faith with where they are. And somebody from the outside would say, I would die to have that job. And so we find ourselves attracting what we think and what we concentrate on, your attitude will determine your faithfulness. So it's important that in our life, we keep the fire burning. What do I mean by that? When it comes to my spouse, when it comes to this church, when it comes to friendships, it is up to me to keep my fire burning, my faith burning, me thinking the good things, the positive things, and not letting the negative overrule the positive. Are y'all good? Because negativity is like a fungus. It is like a disease. It comes in one area. Have you ever just been tired and you're just negative about everything? And it's like a rabbit hole. The further you go down, the more depression comes. And you actually now, you're snapping at your wife and you're being mad. And you're, you're at, there is a reaction when we are not taking our worry and letting it shape into praise and prayer. Your attitude will determine your altitude. 
it's said over and over. This, this is actually, this comes from an example of a pilot. They have something that pilots called APT. We have a pilot in here. I'll have to tell his story one day. It's an uh, interesting story. APT, actually, it has to do with a claim attitude that brings power, and then it brings the plane upward. There's a trim. So you, had to tr- you have to change the attitude of the plane that will actually bring power and trim for that thing to go up. How many of you know that there is an attitude that you need to get to a certain altitude? If you find yourself going to a lid over and over and your rhythm isn't faith to faith and glory to glory, but your rhythm is failure to failure, you might have to check your attitude. Are y'all okay today? Because the Israelites in the wilderness had a lid because they had an attitude. We like to call it in our house a tood. When you, uh, when, when you have teenagers, you will start to address the tood. Because it is really, you have to learn now, the, the Israelites, it was unbelievable because God got them out of slavery, but they stayed 40 years in the wilderness that should only be a four-day trip. So in other words, their complaining and murmuring kept them in the wilderness until God raised up a new generation that learned how to not murmur and complain, but to praise and pray. And God brought them into the promised land. And the Bible says that the promised land is real rest. David said that in that time that they tested God because God would literally move and they would forget about what God would do and see their, their current circumstance and murmur and complain and they would go around the mountain over and over for 40 years. How many of you say, I want to get out of the wilderness and I want to get into the promise? I'm going to begin to change my attitude so I'll begin to go to a certain altitude. I don't want limitations on my life. I want to be a person of faithfulness that begins to see what God sees. Come on, if you believe it, give God a hand if you believe that. I love Joshua and Caleb because they had a different attitude and they were the only generations that entered into the promised land. It says this, Numbers 14, 24, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude. Say attitude. Then the others have. He remained loyal. This sounds like a rhythm. This sounds like he put, he put praise in prayer. He, he had a good report instead of negative report. He remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Listen, your, your altitude will not only change your story, but it will change your generation's story. How many of you know that new generation, they knew not to murmur and complain. They were just like, God, tell us what to do. If it is walking around Jericho seven times, I have no clue why I'm walking around Jericho seven times, but I'm not going to complain about God telling me to walk around Jericho seven times. I'm going to keep my mouth shut, and when God says shout and praise, I'm going to shout and praise, and seven times they went around those walls that made no sense, and when they shouted and praised, the Bible says that the walls came down. How many of you want the walls to come down in your life? We have to learn how to praise and pray through our walls. How many of you know that prayer and praise shapes your perspective? It shapes. The second thing it does, it shapes your perspective. See, your perspective is what gives you strength to keep going. You can succeed and succeed in misery. I would rather succeed in peace. 
Come on, somebody. You can succeed by bringing the principles of faithfulness and not truly have the correct perspective and actually succeed in misery. How many of you want to succeed in rest? We have this mindset that all things are working together with good. See, this is what prayer does. Prayer magnifies God so that your problems seem small. Are your problems bigger than your God? How many of you know that praise magnifies God and shows how small your problems are? And when you see how big God is and that he lives in you, you start to see yourself differently. And what seemed like an obstacle was only God preparing you to see a victory so that he can get the glory. For example, the Israelites. Moses said, I want 10 spies to go out and look at the promised land. Come back and tell me a report. Well, it was beautiful land full of like fruit and the land was just full of honey and, and milk and, and, uh, and wine and grapes and just prosperity. Not the wilderness. Not dry, cold, a lid. And the ten come back and eight of them said, man, this land looks good but there's giants in the land. And we are as grasshoppers to these people. We will not go into the land. What did Joshua and Caleb say? They looked past the giants and they said, this is our land. We can take it. I don't care that there's giants in the land. God is with us and we can conquer this land. When we begin to bring a negative report, we are grasshoppers in the sight of ourselves and other people. But when you're connected with God, his promises will trump your problems. How many of you want his promises to trump your problems? Are y'all okay today? How about we need to focus on the good report? The good report. I am guilty of this. There are times when I get tired. You know, you, I, I remind myself of that Snickers commercial. You have an old lady in the back that is murmuring and complaining, and then the people up front is like, here, take a Snickers. He bites the Snickers, and he turns into his real self. I, I, there are times when Leah's like, hey, you need some rest and maybe go pray. Right, Because we say things that gets ourselves in a bond. Watch what you say because the Bible says that your tongue is like a rudder on the ship. Wherever your tongue goes, your whole body will go. Y'all are getting quiet today. Let's move forth. <laughs> See, we have to realize, this is the third thing. Let me move on to the third thing. Our praise and our prayer shapes your future. It shapes our future. It creates, see, what you say creates an atmosphere for breakthrough and gives you the peace and courage to step into it. So your prayer actually shapes your future. Your words create. The Bible says that God made you into his image. And if you see at the beginning of the age, God even spoke. He spoke. Say he spoke. He spoke things into existence. He created it, spoke it into existence. And the Bible says you are made in his image, that your speaking will change the trajectory of your life. Look at Mark 11, 24. I'm getting myself excited. I feel like praising right now. I'm praying right now. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples... Have faith in God. Say that with me. Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. 
I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, you may be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and not doubt in your heart. And I'll tell you, you can pray for anything, say anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. God is not talking about a physical mountain here. Mountains in the Bible represent not only sin, but it also represents obstacles. Let me ask you, are you speaking louder to your mountain or is your mountain speaking louder to you? We like to put it on the back burner and like try to think of like three good, you know, thoughts or something. But God's like, hey, take that problem and let the worry and the taunting of the enemy shape your praise and your prayers, and that mountain will give you, you will have the courage to overcome that mountain. Speak to your mountain. Look at your neighbor and say, speak to your mountain. I don't know about you, but I have some mountains. We always want to get in a place where we have no mountains. That that, that's not going to happen. We will always go from glory to glory because we will get in a rhythm and rest to speak to our mountains and overcome. How many of you are ready to overcome? Speak to your mountain. Trey, can you come up and play so everybody thinks I'm about to close? Luke 11, 9 through 10. And so I tell you, keep on asking. Say keep. And you will receive what you ask. Keep on seeking and you will find Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. There, there, there's an ongoing theme with that. What is it? It's keep. Sounds like a rhythm. It sounds like you don't quit. As a matter of fact, Galatians 9, 6 says, if you do not lose heart, if you do not lose heart, you will find the harvest come to you. How many of you want to keep the fire going? Man, listen, some of you might be like, all right, that sounds good, but I really don't know how to praise. I don't know how to pray. We're going to get into that. But I want to challenge you because the secret to praise is to not only magnify who God is, but to magnify what God's already done in your life. Has God been faithful to you? If he did it before, he can do it again. That was the problem with the Israelites. God would provide from them, bring water from a rock, manna from heaven, open the Red Sea, and they would forget what God had done, and they would see their, certain, their current circumstance, and they would lose faith. How many of you know that God wants you to have monuments in your life? You should have, some of you in here should be dead and gone. Some of you in here, God has brought you further than you could ever dream. How many of you know that it is a miracle that you're sitting in this room today? If, you, if God wouldn't have touched you when he touched you, you could have been anywhere, but you're here today. God touched you and did a miracle then. God is not done with doing miracles in your life because he wants the glory in your life when the miracle happens you're going to say it was God if God did it before he will do it again yes my bank account might seem negative yes my boss might be getting on my nerves yes there might be some hardships but I'm going to begin to speak to my mountain I'm going to begin to attract the blessing and God is going to cause me to go to glory to glory to faith to faith yeah give God a hand if you believe it Some of you spiritually, you have some bear skins on your wall. 
Some of you spiritually, you have some lion skins on your wall. Some of you spiritually, you have some giant heads on your wall. We don't even know what you have overcame. Some of you have overcome generational curses. Some of you have overcome things that your grandparents couldn't only because God gave you grace. And I'm here to tell you, like David, when everybody said, you can't take Goliath, he said, yeah, but God was there when I had to face the lion. God was there when I had to face the bear. And I'm going to stare at my Goliath. He can try to talk me, but I'm going to speak to this mountain, and you are going down in the name of Jesus. Come on. Give God a hand if you believe it. We got to speak life over our kids. We got to speak life over our spouses. We got to speak life over this city. I don't want to be around you and hear all the negative things in the city. I will hear the negative things if you have a solution. Let's begin to speak life over this city. These teenagers, these teenagers are not the problem. They're going to be the solution for a revival. God is going to begin to raise up a remnant and say, I'm going to begin to speak life over the east. I'm going to begin to speak life under the bridges. I'm going to begin to speak life, and I'm actually going to walk into where the favor of God comes and people's hearts change. This city is not too far gone. What God needs is a people that say, I will not let the mountain speak to me. I will speak to the mountain. Come on, give God praise if you believe it. Some of you, you have a great word. We call that a prophecy. You have a great word. You're believing for some things. Listen, between the prophecy and the promise that you're believing for is the process. And in that process, you need to learn how to praise and praise and prayer. Because praise and prayer will get you to your promise. I'm going to end it on this. I got four minutes. Can I do it in four minutes? First, I want to give you an example. I love David because David is real. You don't need to know how to be so, you don't have to be so eloquent when you pray. You're real with God. He's your friend. He says, let your petitions, those are your requests, and your praises shape your prayer. You read some of David's psalms, and it almost sounds like he's schizophrenic because he's like, God Kill my enemies, but I praise you. God, I'm getting old. I have no strength, but I praise you. God, I'm having a problem, but I praise you. And you will find himself, his problems, his petitions, and his prayers will begin to shape a prayer to where he's in faith and he conquers. Can we look? We'll, we'll give an example. Can I give you an example? Let's look at Psalm 71, 3 through 19. He starts off in praise and thanksgiving. Listen to this. Let's give him a hand in the back. They're working hard. Psalms 71, 3 through 19. I'll just give you an example. You're the only place of protection from me. This is praise. I keep coming back and hide myself in you, for you are like a mountain cliff fortress where I keep safe. And then listen to his petition. Let me escape from these cruel and wicked men. Save me from the hands of the evil one. He goes back to praise and thanksgiving. For you are my only hope, Lord. I've hung on you. I'm trusting in you with my life. You are the one that supported me from day one. You love me. You helped me in my life's journey. You've made me a miracle. No wonder I trust and praise you for every. Many marvel at my success, but I know it's because of you. You're my mighty protector. I'm overflowing with your praise. All that you have done and your splendor thrills me all day long. Then he goes back to his problem. Petition. Now that I'm old... Don't set me aside. This is a worry I have. This is a worry I have. 
Now that I'm old, don't set me aside. Don't let me go out. Don't let me ruin my strength. For my enemies, whisper, I need your help, God. They're waiting for me to fall. The Bible says if you get tempted, go to God. Begin to go to God and say, God, I'm tempted. God, I'm feeling this. This is what I'm feeling. I feel like I have no strength. They're convinced that you left me and you never came to rescue me. They're saying, let him get him now. He has no savior. Oh, God, stay close to me. Don't watch from a distance. Hurry, help me. You know what petitions are like? God, help. He goes back to praise and thanksgiving. No matter what, I trust you. You help me. Nothing will stop me from praising you and magnify your glory. I couldn't begin to count the times. He's going back. He's looking at the bearskins. He's looking at the, the Goliath heads. I couldn't begin to count the times you've been there for me with the, with the skill of a poet. I will never run out of things to say and how you faithfully keep me from danger. I will come forth in your mighty strength. Oh, my Lord, I tell you everything. You alone are my perfect one. From childhood, you've been my teacher, and I'm still telling everyone your miracle wonders. Petitions. God, now that I'm old and gray, don't walk away. Give me grace to demonstrate to the next generation all the mighty miracles and excitement to show them your magnificent power. Let your praise and your petitions shape your prayers. Be real with God. Be real with God. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm lonely. God, I'm scared, but you got me out before. I believe in you. You got me out of that situation before. God, my wife is driving me crazy. I never pray that, but God, <laughs> but you gave me her, and I don't deserve her, and you will give me gifts till I die. <laughs> Problems, petitions. See, I want to close on this. We don't go to God, number one, because we don't think we have enough time. But saying you have not enough time just says that you're not making God a priority. Your family and your life is in the balance, and you have to take time to get in his presence. The Bible says, what is it to gain the whole world and lose your very soul? You can get that promotion. You can strive your way to success. And God wants all those things for you. But God wants to be with you and walk with you to get there. David said, this is one thing I ask from you, Lord, that I stay in your house all the days of my life. God wants you to daily go to him, a daily rhythm. See, we don't think we know how. We don't think we're uh, adequate enough. We feel stuck. Have you ever been in the car with somebody and you're like, I don't have anything to talk about? I love Honor, my daughter, because she loves to break the ice. She's like, hey, why don't we play the game Have You Ever? And she gives us an outline. We start that thing for the first five, ten minutes. Then we're talking about all kinds of stuff. God actually gave us a prayer or outline to get us stuck. If you don't know how to praise and you don't know how to give petitions, he said, I want to give you an outline. And it's Psalms 23, our Father who art in heaven. First, I want you to know you have a Father. I want you to get your mind right. I want you to praise your God, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. He says, here's an outline. If you're stuck, go over these things and I'll help you pray. I'm going to be like honor saying, what, 
what would you, she would say, let's pray, let's play true or false. God's like, if you get stuck, here's an outline. This will help you get unstuck. See, the last thing is, we don't think we're worthy. We don't think we're worthy. We don't think we're worthy to God. The truth is, you'll never be worthy to go to God. See, before Jesus died on the cross, there was something called a temple. And God only met in the temple because he's given us a picture of what Jesus did on the cross. And God's glory would only be in the back of the temple. It was called the Holy of Holies. And the thing that separated mankind from the Holy of Holies was something called a curtain. Say curtain. The curtain was four inches thick. And they actually test this curtain by having two oxen try to pull it on different opposite directions. And if it would not tear, then it was qualified to be in the temple. And this represented only the priest. He could sacrifice animals to pay the price to be able to go into the Holy of Holies, which was the very presence of God where they would hear God's voice. And did you know when Jesus died on the cross, he made a statement that rang through eternity. He said, it is finished. And the Bible says that the ground began to shake and the curtain or the veil was torn in two, which signified for your life, he was your high priest, he was your sacrifice, that he made a way for you to go straight to God. See, we can feel inadequate. That's why you remember the cross and say, because of what you did on the cross, because of the blood of Jesus, he's covered my sin, he's cleansed my sin, he's changed me. I can go straight to the presence of God. Come on, if you believe that today, just stand up right where you are. It is finished, it is finished, it is finished. Have a time and a place to get with God every day. The things that are important to us, we set a time. And know this, that all throughout your day, God is there. Talk to him. You won't even look crazy today because everybody has AirPods and they're singing to themselves anyway. You just pray. Everybody's singing their favorite rap song or their, their song and they don't care. They don't care about looking crazy. You just, you know, after you meet with that boss, say, God, help me, Lord. I need you. I need you. Give me the right perspective. When you're with that spouse and you don't know how to overcome, don't, don't hash it out. You know, get away and say, God, God, I need you. And you will find yourself have a grace to get into that conversation and work things out with your kids. You know, I know you want to slap the fire out of them, but have some peace and go to God and say, God, give me a right perspective of my kids. And the next time you talk to your kids, you'll start to talk to your kids like God talks to you. How many of you want to say, I'm making the decision today to turn my worries, my stress, you don't know how big my mountain is. Listen, God has paid the ultimate price. And God has given you all that you need to have hope. You don't know how long I've been taking those pills. God, there's no time with God. He's an eternal God. When he comes down in your present situation, he's a redeemer. He can turn it all around. And one touch from God could, could change. You could have 10 years of therapy, and one touch from God can do it all. How many of you want to make a decision that you want to go to God? If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to say a prayer with you. And the Bible says that when you say this prayer, that your sins are no more and that you have a relationship with him. Can we say this together online and in the building? If you say, I want to have a relationship with God, I've been far away. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. 
and that you rose again. I turn from my own way. I want a relationship with you. From this day forward, I make you my Lord and Savior. With nobody looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed. If you say that prayer, can you just slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I see your hands. I see your hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. So beautiful. You know, the Bible says that when one person turns to God, all the heavens rejoice. God will leave the 99 and go after you. And I want you to know, because you said that prayer and you believe in your heart that he's real, I want you to know that your sins are no more. He doesn't see your sin. Forgive yourself. He's going to finish the work he started in you. You say, I don't know how to, how to do it. It's okay. You're going to go to him, and he's going to lead you and guide you and give you grace. He's going to root you and ground you in him. You're going to flourish. The Bible says that your past is over. All old things are passed away, and all things become new in your life. Church 54, can we join heaven in the celebration? I mean, this celebration is louder than Mardi Gras. It is louder than any ball that you've been to, any float that you've been to. There's a celebration when one person gives their life to God, and people made that decision today. On the count of three, can we join that party in heaven? One, two, three. Come on, give God a hand. Give God a shout. If Angel can come up, she's going to lead us out. But before we do, can you raise your hands? I want to bless you for this week. God, we thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you that your face shines upon them, that you are with them. Lord, I pray that every mountain will turn into a mill. Every mountain will be brought low. Every valley will be raised. Every crooked place straight. Every rough place smooth because they're turning to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you. Let their mouth speak faith. Let their eyes see faith. Let them walk in courage, not by power, not by might, but by your spirit. Thank you. They're going from glory to glory to faith to faith in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says amen. Give God a hand.